Welcome today to Morsels from the Throne Room of God with Ty and Betsy Tice. As I will be speaking today, Betsy will be playing the piano in the background. And I pray that this ministers to you because this podcast and the next one to follow, this is a two-part podcast, is about what do you do when everything seems hopeless? What do you do when everything seems hopeless? God has the answer, and we want to share it with you here, this podcast and the next one to come. We are reading this morning from Numbers 21, 16 through 18. From there, they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well. Sing about it, about the well that the princes dug, and the nobles of the people sang, the nobles with scepters and staffs. This morning, we want to talk about the supreme importance of water. Without question, the most critical concern for those who travel in the desert is water. It's not hard to understand why. The extreme temperatures, the excessive heat, drains the body of its necessary fluids. This requires depleted body fluids to be frequently replenished, which in turn requires an abundant supply, or at least a sufficient supply of water. But that's a problem. There is little water to be found in the desert. The wilderness brings about a double whammy. On one hand, it is an environment that requires more water than usual. At the very same time, it is an environment in which that which is most critical is least supplied. You want to know what a spiritual wilderness is? The wilderness represents the place where you need the greatest, but your resources are the smallest. It's where thirst is the most and water is the least. That, my friend, is the wilderness experience. The pressure of the moment drains everything out of you. Your joy, your strength, your faith, your hope, your encouragement, and your anointing. You end up depleted. More than anything else, you need spiritual replenishing. But the thing you need the most is what you have the least. That is further exasperated by the fact that you are surrounded by circumstances that continue to drain you and at the same time prevent you from inquiring what you must have. The desert will rob you of what you have, but not, my friend, who you are. 
You wither under the blistering sun, but can find no shade. You are parched from thirst, but there is no water. That which you need the most, you have the least. And that which has taken the water from you is also that which keeps you from acquiring more. You desperately need joy, but the trial that you're in is not only taking your joy, it produces a mindset, an attitude of the heart that is not conductive to the replenishment of joy. The restless pressure that you're under has gradually weakened you. In the same time, it withholds that which will strengthen you. Your circumstance not only discourages you, they produce a spiritual environment that prevents you from finding encouragement. Is there any remedy for such a condition? Aha, my friend, the remedy is the Lord. Assemble the people that I may give them water. The wilderness represents the place where your need is the greatest, but your resources are the smallest. This is not trite religious talk. This is not heroic rhetoric. In the wilderness, the first thing you must understand The most important thing for you to acknowledge is that all of your resources put together are totally, my friend, inadequate. Everything that you put together is still not enough. Lord, I don't have what I need. I don't know how to find what I need. I cannot help myself. I cannot fix my problem. I am dying of thirst and I can't find water. Lord, only you can satisfy my thirst. Only you can restore my soul. Only you can deliver me from this desert. Lord, give me water. God said to Moses, assemble the people that I may give them water. And it wasn't the first time or the last time. In Psalm 107, 19 through 20. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. He changes the wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into a spring of water. Isaiah 41, 17 through 18 says, the afflicted and the needy are seeking water but there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground, 
I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. Jesus was resting by Jacob's well in Samaria. When a woman came to draw water, Jesus struck up a conversation with her and asked her for a drink. She noticed that he had nothing to draw water with. But before she could respond, he spoke again. This is John 4.10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me water, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. John 7:37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to later receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. There must be a partnership between you and God. Numbers 21:18 says, The well which the leaders sank, which the nobles of the people dug, with their scepters and with their staffs. There were times when people were required to do nothing. When Moses simply smote the rock and water poured forth. When Moses threw the tree into the bitter pool of water and it became sweet. There are those times in our life when God, out of his grace and mercy, simply pours out his blessing, and all we have to do is receive him. But on this occasion, water didn't pour out of the rock. It didn't simply come forth. They were required to dig. Scepters and staffs were used by the nobles, and the symbols of the leadership were turned into picks and shovels, and they dug the well. This point is not a contradiction to what I've just told you about God's provision. Only God can give the water. This is the example, example of human partnership with the divine. It is God who raised Lazarus from the dead, but the men were told to roll away the stone. It is God who heals the withered hand, but men were told to stretch forth, to stretch it forth. It is God who heals the blinded eyes, but the men were told to go wash in the pool of Siloam. It is God who parts the Jordan, but men are told to walk into the river. It is God who brings down the Jericho walls, but men were told to march around it. In the wilderness, you can't just roll over and die. You can't simply acquiesce and capitulate to the enemy. You cannot succumb to the pressure. 
You cannot just cave in or buckle under. You can't give up. Sometimes, my friend, you have to dig. You may have to do what Isaac did in Genesis 21:18. The Philistines had stopped up the wells, so he dug the wells again of his father Abraham. Don't you know that there's some Philistines in the always trying to stop the flow in your life? Are there some wells that you need to dig out again? One of the sure signs of spiritual decline is when a man or a woman begins to go back and pack up the things they once laid aside and pick them up again. For the water to flow, you need to clean out the well. You need to get rid of the debris, the garbage, the junk in your life that is clogging the well. To change the figure of speech, you need to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily encumber you so that you can run with patience the race that is set before you. It doesn't take much. One hard fall cry, one sincere tear, one honest prayer. When the waves are pulling him under, Peter didn't quote the 51st Psalm. He didn't do a penance. He didn't offer a sacrifice. He didn't pray for an hour. He simply cried out, Lord, save me. Through the rain, the strong hand of Jesus reached down and pulled him from the water and brought him to his side. If you will draw near God, he will draw near to you, my friend. Father, Lord, this morning, as we come before you, many are just totally weary, parched, thirsty. It's been so long since they've had living water. They have almost forgotten that you still stand there waiting to pour out your life into them once again. Father, some of my brothers and sisters are so much in despair right now, they don't know what to do. They're crying out, Lord. And Father, in your mercy and your love, pour it out again onto them, that they may be revived and that they may see who you are and all your greatness. And we will give you the glory and the praise. In the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today to Morsels from the Throne Room. Next week, we will continue with part two. And my desire for you is to not wait till next week to reach out and say, here am I, Lord, I'm desperate, I need you. He's waiting to do just that for you. And I'm telling you, next week you're going to be surprised at the simple answer that God gives to overcome your situation. It's so simple. I never thought of it. And I know many of you have never thought of it. So, till next week, my friend. God bless you and have a great day.
in him.